For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Celeste Simmons. I'm here today with General Authority 70, Alvin F. Meredith III, and his wife, Jennifer Meredith. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. And um, Elder Meredith is the devotional speaker this week, and we're excited to listen to his talk and to ask him some questions about what he's speaking on. So I wanted to ask you, first off, why did you choose the topic, Receiving Revelation for Life Decisions? Well, I I went back in time a little bit and thought about the things that weighed on me when I was a student uh, in in college. And one of the things that weighed on me heavily then was how do I make all these life decisions that are coming, uh, you know, coming down the path over the next 10 years? Um, When you're in university, you are right at the very beginning of the decade of decision. If you think about the decisions that you have over the next 10 years, they're, uh, they're big decisions. And the unique thing about these decisions is most of them are not matters of right and wrong, but they're still um, decisions that will have a tremendous impact on the trajectory of one's life. And so we want to get heavenly guidance for those. <clears throat> and so that is, uh, that's why I selected that topic. Yeah, it definitely is a time of change and decisions for sure. I'm living through it right now. So <laughs> I think all of us will be very um, grateful for, for this subject and this talk. And you mentioned five different um, things that are important in order to receive revelation, one of them being decide yeah. and just making the decision. And for me personally, that is the hardest part. I'm a very indecisive person. And it freaks me out to think about which decision is right or wrong. Um, And you say that we should remember that revelation often comes when we are on the move, not when we are idle. And that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes for my mission, which was revelation comes when the children of God are on the move. And I've always remembered that. So that really stuck out to me. Um, What advice do you have when it comes to taking that first initial step towards moving forward? How can we get unstuck when we feel paralyzed? Great question. I, I think generally you, you want to do the study it out in your mind and counseling even before you take that first step. At least that's helpful for me. I think that um, I think that information often precedes inspiration. Um, but once once you've collected the data and counseled with people that you trust, um, sometimes you just have to move forward. And sometimes when you move forward, the heavens will open and you'll get uh, some some revelation about what you should do or what you shouldn't do. And sometimes when you press forward, you still might not feel anything different, but the Lord wants us to act. Um, faith is a principle of, of action. And sometimes just taking that step forward is the, um, is the act of faith that will be the catalyst for revelation. And so if you find yourself getting kind of paralyzed by analysis, you know, we talk about analysis uh, or paralysis by analysis, um, just have faith that the Lord will guide you and just take a step. And then sometimes as you move forward, um, then you'll get more clear direction. And you also mentioned a little bit about the story of how you and your wife, Jennifer, kind of decided that you wanted to be partners for life and get married. Um, And you talk about how it wasn't something you say um, that a choir of angels didn't descend from heaven and sing to you that she was the one. And maybe both of you can kind of touch on this. 
So you do say that the confirmation from the Holy Ghost to sincere inquiries about life decisions is usually a process and rarely an event, but usually we want it to be an event. We want that direct yes or no answer. Can both of you kind of touch on how you knew that this was a decision that you wanted to make moving forward without receiving those, that choir of angels? Yeah. I'd love to hear Sister Meredith. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think as we dated, I saw qualities in him that really resonated with me that I valued. And so I think um, just knowing what it is that you're looking for. One of the things that I really loved and admired about him is that he was great with children. Everywhere we went, he would get down on their eye level and sometimes he would do little magic tricks with them or he was very engaging with everyone. And I even noticed in our, there was a time where we were in the same singles ward and we, um, I noticed that when he would walk into the chapel, he went directly to people that he didn't recognize and introduced himself. He was very, back in the day, it was home teaching instead of ministering, but he was very diligent about serving the people that he had stewardship for. And those were things that I really admired and knew that I wanted in a future spouse. And so just incrementally over time, you see those things. And he was also really fun to be with and... <laughs> And I had thick, wavy hair back in the day that she was just swimming by. So, um, but it, it, it wasn't. And actually, the very first time we were we met on a blind date, and the first thing I noticed, um, my dad was in the military, and so he raised us to shake hands and make eye contact. And, and it was just really interesting. The first time I met him, he looked me straight in the eyes and gave me a nice, firm handshake. And even though I was wearing this terrible outfit— he kept eye contact with me. It was just very engaging and very kind and very warm. And I think maybe that part of that was his Southern upbringing. Um, so I loved that as well. But there, I just think incrementally over time, it, you, those things become apparent. And um, those were things that I knew I wanted in a future spouse. Elder Bednar um, teaches this in, in a really compelling way using the analogy to light. And we would all love for revelation to be like when we flip a light switch in a dark room and it immediately is filled with light. That's, that's what happened to Joseph Smith in the first vision. But we need to recognize that that is, it's very rare that revelation comes to us that way. Elder Bednar then goes on to give another example of light, which is the sun coming up over the horizon. And that is um, uh, incremental Little by little, does the light um, fill the atmosphere? And and that is more often how revelation comes to us. It's less like a light switch and more like the sun coming up over the horizon. Can I also I just add, I think today one of the challenges that we have is that in media and movies and things, it sometimes is portrayed as just this a magic moment or this um, yeah, an amazing moment where two people look at each other and they just know that that's the person for them. And that does happen for some people, but not all the time, not with us. So um, I, I think that's okay too. Um, you grow into that relationship and grow into loving somebody. Every morning I wake up to a bright light now. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that. And in your talk, you mentioned that you dated for 16 months, months, which for in the church culture, that seems like an eternity, I think. You know, some people get married within a month of meeting each other. Yeah. Um, 
So with that time of having 16 months of dating and you say that there, there are a couple breakups here and there, yeah. um, how was that beneficial taking your time? Let me take the lead and then I'd, sure. I'd love to hear what, uh, what my wife says about that. When it comes to getting married, it's far more important to be right than it is to be fast. And we um, we felt it was important, whether or not we ever articulated this to each other, but to see each other in lots of different scenarios. And so we did lots of things over the course of our uh, over our dating time. Um, and there were times that both of us had doubts and we kind of, you know, there was a time that she was hesitant and she took a step back from the relationship. And then there was a time that I was hesitant and I took a step back from the relationship. And then finally the timing was, was good for us and we were able to move, uh, we were able to move forward. But this is, this is a big decision. It's not one that you want to get paralyzed by the analysis, but you do want to make sure that you see each other in, in lots of different scenarios and that you feel comfortable that this is someone that you want to be a life partner with. President Benson, who was the prophet of my youth, he said, when you find someone who makes you think your highest thoughts, aspire to your noblest deeds, and makes you wish you were better than what you are, then you should cultivate that relationship. Now, you're not going to marry everyone who does that for you. But um, I found that in Sister Meredith um, and uh, have been blessed immensely and eternally because of that. So I I just had come to my mind some counsel that was given to us, uh, to given to me when I was a student. I had a bishop's wife that came and taught our Relief Society in a young single adult ward. And she based her message to us on Luke 2.52, which is the basis for the children and youth program, you know, where we're working on these four areas of development and and what we know about Christ between the ages of 12 and 30 when he began his ministry. And she encouraged us that when we date, that we use that same pattern for getting to know the person that we're dating. So go to a devotional together, go play tennis together, go to a dance together, just have a variety, be with each other's families, see how they interact socially with their, especially with their family, because how that individual interacts with their family is a, 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 an indicator of how they might interact with you and your future family together if you were to get married. So I thought that was a really good uh, framework. And that's what we tried to do when we when we dated. And it all worked out. I'm so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I think You're that's some, some great advice. And also in that section where you talk about um, how you chose each other and chose to be together, you say that you should pay attention to those small and simple spiritual reassurances that often come over a period of time. How can we better recognize those small and simple spiritual reassurances? I think um, we need to make sure that we are constantly putting ourselves in situations where we feel the Spirit. And I think the key to that is being diligent about the small and the simple things. If on a daily basis we carve out a little bit of time to get into the scriptures and have meaningful prayer, then we will uh, come to learn the language of the Spirit, especially when it speaks to us in those small and simple reassurances. You mentioned learning the language of the Spirit. 
And how can we better understand the language of the spirit? Because it's something so individual and personal to each of us. We kind of understand and hear the spirit in different ways. How do you think we can better understand it for ourselves? Yeah. Um, you said you served a mission. Mm-hmm. Where did you serve? In Spain, Barcelona. In Spain. So you learned mm-hmm. Spanish. Yeah. Habla yeah. español, que bueno. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there are a lot of parallel parallels um, for learning the language of the spirit to learning a language. And um, I don't think there's a, a precise way to do it, but I, mean, I think some of those principles are um, our practice and repetition and uh, talking with people who have lots of experience with that language. I think um, learning the language of the Spirit is a lifetime exercise. Um, this is not something that you get a degree in and that you know everything that you need to know. Um, I am still learning the language of the Spirit, and it's through practice and repetition and being diligent about those small and simple things that will bring the Spirit into my life on a daily basis. I love, um, this is a principle that became um, just learning to recognize the Spirit um, as I was a missionary, and I love the Scripture. When I was in the MTC, we had been studying about the Spirit and I love the scripture in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, that talks about the different ways the Spirit can speak to us. And I realized in the MTC that I had, I thought I only felt the Spirit in a specific way, but all of a sudden I realized that I had been feeling the Spirit anytime I felt peace or anytime I felt joy or anytime I felt patient. Those are the fruits of the spirit, and I just didn't recognize that I. It was I was I was surrounded, but I and all these experiences, I never connected that they were the spirit. And the thing that I found in my life is that oftentimes I will feel the spirit in different ways at different times in different situations. And so, being open to recognizing that the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, is so diverse and it's all positive and peaceful and uplifting. Um, I think that's key as well. And lastly, you say that sometimes God simply wants us to use our agency and our own best judgment. And that's also something really hard. We just want him to give us the answers and tell us which direction to go in. How can we learn to trust ourselves when using our agency? I think if we recognize that we um, have a divine heritage, that we are really children of a heavenly father who loves us, just that understanding of who we are can give us the courage to know that we can press forward with the good mind that the Lord has given us and that we'll be directed when need be because the Lord does love us. Um, I would, I would hope that everyone listening to this, um, would would gain a testimony and an understanding of their divine nature that they are they are children of God. We are all children of God, and he um, he loves us so much that he actually gave us agency as well, and he wants us to use our good minds and our agency and our good judgment to move forward. But he's also promised us that. Um, through the gift of the Holy Ghost, he'll protect us if we're headed down paths that will take us to a place that he doesn't want us to be. And so I think if we understand who we are, if we understand the principle of agency and the blessings of the gift of the Holy Ghost, that can give us the courage to move forward. 
Well, thank you so much, uh, brother and sister Meredith, for meeting with me today and for sharing some great advice and insights. And we're grateful to have you here in Rexburg with us today.